Glad to have you in, guys. Welcome back. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 66. So if you're listening today, or if you've listened to episode 65 of the Man with the Plan podcast, we decided to do a back-to-back kind of feature type thing because there's so much that happened. Yesterday, I was going to make a split-second decision. It was kind of like, okay, if this Sunday is anything interesting... We'll make a back-to-back thing, and then we'll have we'll obviously talk about what happened with college football, the semifinals. So if you want to check that out, me and Patrick, the co-host of Cover 2, we talk college football in episode 65. That just posted this afternoon, and so 66 will be posting tomorrow morning if you're listening to it Tuesday. My whole timeline's all messed up and all over the place. But anyways, so like I was saying, if there was going to be anything interesting... This NFL Sunday, I was going to make an episode, and <laughs> wow, it was, to say the least, interesting. So I want to start with this. So you guys all know that I'm a Clemson guy, and that I uh, love going to games, I love watching my team, I love watching everything happen, I love Davo, I love all that. So I'm in New Orleans in 2020, the beginning of the... Uh, the end of normalcy, as people like to say. And I, I always joked with my friends who are Clemson fans, and I said, you know, the end of normalcy for me was when uh, Joe Burrow beat Clemson and literally smoked them to win the national championship. I said, that's when the normalcy started to end for me because Clemson didn't win the national championship, and I was so sad about it. But what I noticed in that game was an unreal confidence from Joe Burrow. And... Knowing that he was going to be the number one pick, regardless of what happened in that game, I said, wow, Cincinnati, who was pretty much locked in as the number one pick. I was like, okay, they got a, they got a guy. So you go to the next season and it's all the, this mess. So you have COVID, you have this pandemic and you have a Joe Burrow who's on this team who has to do virtual meetings on zoom, learn the playbook on zoom, which is like as thick as a phone book. So you go, how is he going to respond and how is he going to react to this kind of season? And he does it so masterfully. And I know Cincinnati didn't finish the way they wanted to in 2020, but they were able to, in a way, with Joe Burrow's injury, draft generational receiver Jamar Chase and able to build a, a team and an organization that fit what Joe Burrow needed. And this year, you're going to see what kind of player he was going to be. He responded. The Bengals are 10-6, and six. they won the division, they beat the best team in the NFL in Kansas City in a shootout, which is really hard to do. <laughs> Keeping up with Mahomes is a very, let's say, difficult task. And Kansas City's been improving, they've been doing a lot of great things this year. Now, I know I was the Kansas City hater, I've come around on them, so you Kansas City fans, rest easy, because I think your team's probably a lock for the Super Bowl and the AFC. There's a lot of different factors that I think Kansas City, if they can hopefully find their way back to the one seed or in a sense, find their way to play an arrowhead, they should be fine. But Joe Burrow, wow, he has been unbelievable. So the last two games he's thrown for over 400 yards, he's thrown teams all over the place. Him and Jamar Chase have this unreal connection, this it's almost like the sonar. They're dolphins. They communicate. They just know where they're going to go with the football. Jamar Chase is unbelievably quick. And I don't know if you guys saw the clip of the, one of Kansas City's corners. It was Tredavious Ward. 
did the gritty after breaking up the pass. And two plays later, Jamar Chase mosses him for a touchdown. You're like, ah, man, you got to love that. That's like a moss quality. And I know I just said that he mossed him, but that's like a Randy Moss quality. Somebody talks some smack, gets in his face, and then Jamar Chase responds. So that was fun to see. He literally, he whatever hold Mac Jones had on the Offensive Rookie of the Year award, Jamar Chase grabbed it and he ran off with it, and Mac Jones is not going to be able to catch him. No matter what he does against Miami, maybe he throws seven touchdown passes or something unreal or just something like Peyton Manning did against the Ravens in 2013. This is going to be Jamar Chase's award, and obviously he deserves it. He's broken so many records. The record books for the rookie wide receiver stuff, it all belongs to him. But this is going to be more about Burrow. And what I'm about to say, it might ruffle some feathers. It might make some people upset. I'm okay with that. We've been honest on this show. I think Burrow needs to be a part of the MVP conversation, and I don't think necessarily he needs to win it, but I think he should be a finalist. And here's why. So you have Cincinnati, who since about 2015, when they made the playoffs, they had A.J. McCarron in there. They've never been the same. They've been a franchise that's been all about this. You have this lack of confidence surrounding Cincinnati. And I think what Burrow has brought to the organization is not only confidence, it's personality. And the team's been much more fun to watch. The team's been much more competitive. They played great teams like Green Bay, Baltimore, Kansas City. They beat Baltimore twice. And not only beat Baltimore twice, they whooped him twice. And I know that Tyler Huntley was the, it was Josh Johnson actually, was the quarterback the second time. But the first time, completely healthy Ravens team, for the most part, Burrow slashes him. Second time, Burrow gashes him. And then against Kansas City, a team where I I personally believe, okay, they're going to come down to earth. They're going to kind of calm down. Because the national media was going crazy about this. They were saying, oh my gosh, Joe Burrow, the playoffs, the Bengals, they're back. And I was like, all right, let's calm down. Let's, I'll take a chill pill. But no, the, the Cincinnati Bengals are definitely a team that we need to watch for in the future. They're definitely one of the teams that are going to represent the AFC in the playoffs for multiple years. They're going to be a very, they're going to be very much in the thick of it in terms of Super Bowl. Maybe not this year, but definitely for the years to come. And I think for Burrow, his impact, and what we always think most valuable, the most stats, the best storyline we got to take most valuable for what it's worth. Those first two words, most valuable. Where would Joe Burrow be? Where would Cincinnati be without Joe Burrow? And I, you try to think of it, would they be a playoff team still? Would they have, they, I mean, they have all the weapons. I don't think they would because I think Burrow brings such confidence, such an energy. He makes Cincinnati, he makes that organization, that city, that community believe that they can beat anybody in any given day just because who he is. And you saw it against Clemson in the 2020 National Championship. You saw it when he beat Alabama and had his Heisman moments. You saw it when he carried LSU past UCF after he got spunked against, um, I don't I don't know who picked up, picked him off, but ever since that pick six, everyone goes, he hasn't, been, he hasn't been the same. And I apologize if you just heard my dog in the background. But Joe Burrow needs to be a part of the discussion and needs to be part of the conversation. He's done so much for that organization. And I think it needs to be recognized. And I think the voters and the writers need to recognize it. Now, <laughs> here we go, as they would say. What in the heck? How do I even start this? How do I even, like, describe what happened? So if you live under a rock or you've met, you just kind of maybe took a nap during this part of Red Zone or 
you were a big Jets fan or Bucks fan, really excited about the game, man. I can't wait for a drama-free slate of football. So you're uh, you're wondering where the heck Antonio Brown is. I mean, they're on the offense. Where 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 is he? And the camera pans over, and he's uh, taking off his pads, shirtless, and starts jumping up and down on the other side of the field when the play is still happening, and just leaves. <laughs> so everyone's left to wonder what in the world is going on. And Antonio Brown, for all that he is talented, he always carries a storyline. There's always something that's going on with Antonio Brown. And this has become such a delicate and such a very, uh, you have to take this with a grain of salt. You have to kind of, it's really difficult to navigate because there could be something going on with him. We don't know what demons he's facing. But I think that we just saw Antonio Brown in his last game in the NFL. I think that for all of Antonio Brown's talents, there are many faults. There are many issues that he's had to face. And I don't think many issues that he's been able to kind of feel. It's hard to empathize with someone who doesn't take this accountability for all that's happened. This fake vaccination card. All the stuff that happened before he joined Tampa Bay. All the stuff that happened when he was with Pittsburgh. All the stuff that happened when he was with Las Vegas, with the helmet stuff, all the things that happened in New England in that very short period of time. You see someone that's not very accountable. You see someone that continues to be enabled. And it just, it's this constant cycle. We see Antonio Brown do something wrong. And then he gets cut by a team. And we see Antonio Brown get signed by a new team that thinks, okay, maybe we can be the one to solve the issue. And then he does something wrong. And then he joins a new team. And you have someone like Tom Brady, who's a pretty great endorsement. Says that he's just a guy that's going through something. We need to all wrap our our arm. We need to wrap our arms around Antonio Brown and make him a part. We need to help him out. And Antonio Brown's thank you to that is just running off the field in the middle of the game when they're trying to win in a crucial game where they could potentially get the one seed if Green Bay slips up against Minnesota. That is Antonio Brown's thank you for Tom Brady allowing him into his home for all the endorsements. The probably the potential really. Tense meetings with Bruce Arians trying to convince him that this guy is worth being a part of our team. It's definitely an interesting situation. And I don't want to be like, oh, why are we surprised? Or this is classic Antonio Brown or something like that. But there's been a cycle. And it's the most bizarre thing that I've ever been a part of or been ever seen in the NFL. And it's weird that I get the chance to talk about it. So A, I hope Antonio Brown is okay. B, whatever issues he's facing, I hope he can get past them. But I think we did see our last down with Antonio Brown. It's weird. It's on. I, there's not a lot of words you can just use to describe what the heck is going on or what's happening. I don't really know. And I don't think you do either. And that's not to say that you're like, not. you don't know because of all this other stuff. We just don't have all the information. We don't know... What he's thinking. Where's his headspace at? Because he made posts on Instagrams that he's some super gremlin or he's some unreal guy. He's this personality. He's above it. It, it kind of like feels like he treated it as a joke. And the reports came out that he was too injured to be able to continue. But then he goes around jumping on the field. And I think it was an ankle injury. But then I just don't know. Ah, it makes my head hurt. I just It's such a weird cycle. So bottom line. I don't think we're going to see Antonio Brown ever again. Be very unlikely. And I think that whatever he's facing, hope he gets it solved because he was a talented guy, talented player. So hopefully he can get it all straightened out. 
All right, we're going to take a short break. When I come back, why Mike Vrabel should be your coach of the year. And overall, some of my other favorite things that I saw yesterday, like New England making the playoffs and the two tales of Matthew Stafford. This is the Man with the Plan podcast. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back. And I just want to start by shouting out my uh, friend Addison Vinatelli for clobbering me in our fantasy championship. That really hurt on a different level because I really thought I had it. So I guess ESPN is a big liar for uh, saying I was projected to win by like 30 points. So uh, congratulations to you somehow winning the championship. We'll, uh, we'll visit that next year. So I just want to go over things that I really enjoyed yesterday. So one of them was figuring out who my Coach of the Year candidate is and Mike Vrabel. So, the Titans have the number one seed in the AFC right now. And, you know, confidence is a big thing for me. For not just life. Like, you gotta, you gotta have some confidence to be able to do things. You gotta be able to try new things. You gotta be able to go out and make shows or make yourself known. To get confidence that you're gonna ace the final or ace the test or ask out the cute girl or something like that. So, for me, confidence in NFL teams. If I'm not really confident when I'm watching... I'm not really going to be surprised when that confidence is broken. And for me, the Titans, my confidence level was at an all-time high when they had Derrick Henry. They were steamrolling through teams. They beat the Bills. They beat the Chiefs. They are doing so many great things. So when I see that Derrick Henry leaves, that key piece, my confidence level goes down a little. I see that they get the they get obliterated by uh, New England with a rookie quarterback and Mac Jones. My confidence level goes down. But the Titans, the last two weeks, have beaten the 49ers, who are a playoff team, the Miami Dolphins, who were unbelievably on a hot streak. They're 11-5. They're the number one seed in the AFC. And all they have to do is beat little Houston. And the AFC runs through Tennessee without Derrick Henry, and he could come back. Which is just, with a broken foot, how? I, I cry when I get, like, I stub my toe. Like, how does that work out? That's not fair. So I think that you guys need to pay attention to Mike Vrabel and that coach of the year aspect. Vrabel, big personality, Belichick disciple, if you want to call it that, because he played under him, I guess. But Tennessee's doing something right. Tannehill's efficient. This offense is efficient. They found guys like Deontay Foreman, they, Ryan McNichols. They're doing things that I didn't think were possible. And I, even with a Julio Jones who's underwhelmed significantly off that free agent market, I'm really shocked to see how it's turned out. So I'm really excited to see what Tennessee does in the playoffs. I think they're going to go 12-5. and The AFC will run through them. It'll be really, really fun to watch because I think there will be teams like Kansas City who defensively, with Tennessee's defense, it doesn't really match well, up well for them. But I like the physicality. I like if Derrick Henry comes back, that what-if aspect. We talked about it with Adam Hawk on the show. The what-if of sports make things so interesting. So a big question mark like Tennessee as the number one seed, you go, okay, I'd like to see where this goes. Be very, very fun. So besides Joe Burrow and Antonio Brown, another great thing that I saw today was my New England Patriots back in the playoffs, which I had like this epiphany last night. The playoffs, 10 wins, rookie quarterback. Wait, no, we're supposed to be in the playoffs with Tom Brady every year. It is unreal how that whole thing is played out because when you draft a rookie quarterback, you think, okay, it's going to take a couple years before we do something. But in our first year, Completely new roster, revamped everything. We're back in the conversation. We're back in the postseason. That's just a little tidbit I wanted to add. I don't want to completely 
make you guys roll your eyes, but uh, I just love to see it. Something I really want to talk about is the Rams. So, the Ravens are unbelievably beat up right now. And you saw this tale of two different teams. So, since they traded away Jared Goff, they've been searching for this this team that can fill in all the right pieces and answer all their questions. And Stafford was a big part of that. And he's going to double Jared Goff's touchdown per, touchdowns. I think Jared Goff threw 20. Stafford's going to throw like 38 or 40. He's going to do what they relatively asked him to do. Create a spark. Get the offense going. And like we said with confidence... Sean McVay is much more confident to call plays that he wasn't really confident to call with Matt, with uh, Sean, bleh, Jared Goff. <laughs> but uh, I think that there's a little bit of cause for concern because you saw two different Staffords. You saw the Stafford that makes all the right throws, makes the clutch throws to Odell Beckham, who Odell Beckham, a little side note, has really had this career renaissance almost, being written off in Cleveland, this mess that Cleveland's in right now, and he's really had quite the turnaround with the uh, LA Rams. He's going to get to go to the playoffs. He's going to be able to redeem his playoff game against the Packers, where he was really just inefficient. He's going to be able to contribute to a team that is hopefully going to compete for a Super Bowl in LA's eyes and Sean McVay's eyes. They've done a lot of rebuilding, a lot of retooling. They don't even draft first-rounders anymore. They just go get first-round players like Von Miller. Matthew Stafford, Jalen Ramsey. They have built a team where I hope that the cog of that they, they built, their people, their sum is bigger than the parts that they've accumulated because there's a lot of stars. You look, a lot of names. Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. What about the offensive line? What about the run game with Sonny Michel? You've seen a lot of things work out for the Rams, and you've seen a lot of times where they've looked vulnerable. And you just really hope that they can put it all together because them... As a group, as a uh, as a unit, they'd be very much a mismatch for a lot of teams. Pass rush, defense, secondary, run game with Sony Michelle, Matthew Stafford, an upgrade over Jared Goff. Just a lot of things we want to see work out, and a lot of things we want to see process and come together. It is going to be fascinating. But those turnovers by Stafford against the Baltimore Ravens, whew, you don't like to see those, especially against a secondary that's depleted. You want to see Stafford with the receivers that he has make the right throws, make the right choices, good decisions. You just don't see that as much. And I think that there's two tales of Stafford. We could get the Stafford that completes 14 straight or the Stafford that goes 5 for 14 with two picks and a pick six. You hope that they can put it all together, and they obviously did. They were able to come back and beat a Ravens team that is still really well coached by John Harbaugh, but it's something that you have to really look for. Because right now my Super Bowl favorites are the Chiefs and the Packers because they are consistent. Every week you know what you're going to get. And I know with Kansas City we didn't get what we wanted on defense, but their offense has certainly come around to where they were going to be in that game. If that was the Kansas City in Week 8, they would have gotten crushed. So with the Green Bay, you have Aaron Rodgers, who's on an unbelievable MVP back-to-back candidacy. You have the Buccaneers, who are kind of in this weird mojo spot, especially with what's going on with Antonio Brown. You have the Rams, who are this weird bunch of people, weird bunch of players. But they could put it all together and be dangerous. And then you have the Cowboys, who you have no idea what they're going to get. You could get a Super Bowl winning team Cowboys or a first round exit Cowboys. That's going to be a different topic when we do playoff predictions, when we get the final seedings. But guys, overall, I'm super excited for what's to come. I cannot wait to talk about the national championship that's coming up week 17. 
is at a close week 18, our first week 18 in NFL history. So it'll be super fun. Guys, I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Subscribe for more, leave a five-star review to let us know that you enjoy our content. And as always, stay safe and take care. Mm -hmm.